Uh, if you've got your Bibles, then turn to John 15, and I've got it up on the screen, but I'm just going to read straight from, from my Bible. John 15, I am the true vine. So this is Jesus speaking, remember? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may, that it may, bear, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If any If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. We'll keep going on. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Thank you, Jesus. So next week is our camp, and the theme for camp this year is Abide. And I want to, uh, this is like in, a, in advance of camp, to begin looking at, um, looking at abide and thinking about it, uh, because this word abide is, is so simple, and yet it's incredibly profound and life-giving, and the words of Jesus at the, at the bottom there, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So it's, how awesome is that? Being full of joy. And it, you know, our theme of abide uh, for camp really stems from this um, passage in John 15. And if you remember back at the beginning of 2020, it was so long ago now, but we spent a few weeks on, on Abide and looking at this passage, but it's time to revisit it because that was a long time ago um, and what a year it's been. And also, why wait until camp to start thinking about abiding? It's, a, it's this amazing invitation, and I think, why don't we just get into it now? And if you're not coming to camp, then don't worry, because this invitation is for, is for all of us, whether we're going camping or not. I am the true vine, Jesus says. I am the true vine. Abide in me. Abide in my love. Abiding in Jesus is, is the place of human flourishing. It's the place of life. It's the place of fruitfulness. It's the place of uh, pruning in order to bear more fruit. Uh, abiding is home. When we're at home, we're abiding in our house. Yep. And it's not always the case, but ideally, ideally, home is a place of rest. Uh, it's a place of security. It's a place of uh, stability. It's a place of replenishment. It's the place where we know where the pantry is or the fridge is and we can help ourselves to food. So it's a place of nourishment. Uh, it's a place of sanctuary. Um, sometimes, unless you've got 
kids. Um, in which case, come to the sanctuary service tonight where you can have that. It's a, it's home, like home is a place of, of peace. And I say ideally because I know that this is, this is not the case for, for a lot of people, but ideally that's what home is. When we're at home, we can let our guard down. If you're at home this morning, then you might have your PJs on. You know, you can just, yeah? No. Okay. You don't wear PJs at home. No. Um, you can just chill out, right, at home. This is what we do when we're at home. We don't have to worry about what people are thinking anymore because we're at home. We're abiding. And, uh, and abiding carries these kinds of, uh, these kinds of ideas of, of, of being and remaining in a, in a place or in a state or in a way of being. Um, it's the idea of like, where we are. And, and also, also, there's another sense of, of the word abide, which um, uh, is, is more to do with uh, a way of living. So hopefully, I'm looking around, but hopefully most of you abide by the law most of the time. And that means doing what the law says, right? Not doing what's, what's illegal. So abiding has these two ideas, uh, where we are, our location, and our, and our occupation, or what we do, location and occupation. And so like we, just thinking about these ideas, we'll revisit what Jesus says in John 15. He goes, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And in, in this passage in John 15, you can see both, both of these ideas of abiding coming through. Jesus is the true vine, and as I said before, a vine um, is a growing and a flourishing, fruitful plant. The fruit are grapes, which are good for eating and good for drinking, but both in moderation, right? Uh, Otherwise you suffer from negative effects. He says, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So we are invited into this connection uh, with Jesus to be grafted onto him and into him. And in this connection, there's life, flourishing, fruitfulness, because Jesus himself is life. And his life is the fullness of life. From Jesus comes life, life beyond what we can imagine. He's the creator of life. I, I mean, you know, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about being made in the image of God, Imago Day. He creates life. So when we connect with him, we're connecting with, connecting with life. It's actually quite cool. You might have seen me holding this, um, this branch this morning. I didn't ask for it, but um, Rosemary brought this in, I think, for, um, for Andrea. A grapevine, a branch of a grapevine, right? Here we, here we go. And, you know, this... <laughs> I'm going to turn this slightly negative, but now this branch has been cut off from the vine. So it's no longer attached to the vine. So it's no longer going to be able to bear fruit. In fact, it's dying now because it's not attached to the vine. If we're unattached to Jesus, then we might look a little bit like this. And we might kind of look good on the outside, like there's sort of signs of life, but we're not grafted him into him as the true vine. We're actually disconnected from the source of life, which means we are dead. We're like those dry bones that Anna, Anna talked about this morning. We're not attached to life itself, like a branch that is cut off from a tree. It remains green. It looks green for a while. It might look like it's alive, 
but it's just a matter of time before it withers and dies. Actually, grapevines are pretty amazing. You might be able to take this branch and, and put it into the dirt, and it might actually take again. If abiding in Jesus' life, then to reject Jesus and to live disconnected from him is death. And this is why I think we don't want to wait until next week, until camp, until we begin abiding. We want to begin abiding now. A branch, a branch of the vine only bears fruit if it's connected to the vine. And likewise for us, we can only bear fruit in our lives if we are connected to the true vine that is Jesus. The purpose of a grapevine is to bear fruit, to, bear, to make grapes, to make grape juice out of, or to make wine out of. Every branch, every branch of a grapevine has this purpose, to bear fruit. And so if we extend this metaphor that Jesus is, is using here, then every person, everyone on earth has has this meaning and this purpose and their meaning and their purpose can only be fulfilled if we, you, we all are connected to the true vine of Jesus. And there's two things that we can take away from this. And the first thing is really awesome. It means that all of us have meaning and purpose. Everybody has meaning and purpose, even if we don't know it yet. And the secondly, it means that only by abiding in him can we discover our meaning and our purpose. Um, in the in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul he was speaking to a bunch of um, a bunch of uh, Greek philosophers, pagans, in Athens, and and he says to them, "In Him we live and move and have our being." And so, I want to come back to this branch. So I'll try to remember to do that. I'm going to leave it there. Come back to the branch. So. So far, the main sense of the word abide that, that we've kind of been having in this, in this passage is really about where we are, our position or our location. It's our, it's our place. And then in about verse 7, it, it shifts to another sense, the sense of what we do, how we live, our occupation. And Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, oh, sorry, I want to go back a step. If you abide in me, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then whatever you ask for will be done. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then whatever you ask for will be done. So if we're abiding in Jesus and his words abide in us, then whatever we pray for will be answered. It sounds awesome, eh? Imagine that. Everything you're praying for is answered. And it makes total sense because... Because what we pray for is completely in line with what Jesus is, is doing, is already doing. And his words, his words are abiding in us and then they are overflowing out of us. Like we sang this morning about, um, you know, about the Spirit of the Lord filling us up until we overflow. His words abiding in us, then his words overflow out of us. Uh, Jesus said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we're filled with the words of God, then we speak out the words of God. So when we pray, we're actually praying completely in line with, with God, with Jesus. And then he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, which really captures the second sense of the word abide about our occupation, about what we do, about abiding as a way of living. Abiding in Jesus, abiding in his love means living in line with the way of Jesus, practicing the way, like every day living out the way, devoting our lives to his way of living and his way of loving. Uh, Eugene Peterson uh, put it like this in the message translation. He says, make, make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. So there's this amazing invitation that like Jesus invites us to come home, to become part of the family, to take up the family business, and to do things the family way. Because every family has a way of doing things, even Jesus' family. And isn't that cool? Because like I was saying before that, you know, a lot of our homes uh, might not be ideal. They might not be places of peace and love and sanctuary and security and replenishment and nourishment and joy and being able to relax. And yet Jesus invites us to come home into him. We've been looking at um, this passage, it's John, John 15, uh, book of John, most probably written by the Apostle John, who was one of Jesus' closest buddies, closest friends. And, and I reckon that this theme of abiding, it just really took hold of John. It got stuck in his mind, it got stuck in his imagination. Because, and the reason I think this is because he wrote another letter, he wrote another three letters, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John because they couldn't think of anything else to call them. But First John, look at First John. It's, it's a book filled with the theme of abiding. I, just go and read it. It's only, it's only a short letter. He wrote this letter to churches to unpack the theme of abide so that they all could see that abiding is, is actually, it's more than a word, it's an incredibly life-changing, there's incredible life-changing power that comes from it. John, First John, five chapters. It'll probably take you 20 minutes at most. Read it and, and take note of the number of times John writes about abiding or abide. He writes, this is a quick sort of summary. He writes that if we walk the way Jesus walked, then we abide in him. How did Jesus walk? Like, probably like a gangster, right? It's probably not what he's talking about. If we walk the way Jesus walked, then we abide in him. If we love our brothers, yes, even our brothers, then we abide in the light, Jesus. (laughs) If we do the will of God, we will abide forever. If we abide in him, then we will stop sinning. How's that working out? Raise your hands. (laughs) If we love one another, then God abides in us. And And he also writes, John writes, that we can let what we've heard about Jesus abide in us. Like, sit there in us. That the word of God can abide in us. That his anointing can abide in us. 
that God's seed can abide in us, that God's love can abide in us. He writes, God's spirit can abide in us. I want to pause here for a moment and just let that sit. It's a, it's a short phrase, God's spirit abiding in us. But think about it. The spirit of God who created the entire cosmos, everything that we see. Look out the windows. You can see out to Newlands and the paradise of Korokoro and Lower Hut. You know, all of Wellington, all of Aotearoa, the spirit of God who created the entire cosmos, every star. You look out at the night sky and every star created by him, every atom, every star and atom, every planet and particle, everything. This is who we're talking about. The spirit of God who sustains all things, who keeps everything going. If it wasn't for him, it would all just disintegrate into chaos. Entropy would wreak havoc on us. The spirit of God who is holy, the Holy Spirit, utterly holy, the definition of holiness, the definition of perfection and beauty, the source of every good thing, every good thing. Think about the things that you like, chocolate, the basket of love. Um, think about all the good things that you like. Jesus, oh, sorry, the Spirit of God is the source of every good thing. The Spirit of God who is infinite in power and life, who is perfect in power and love and purity, to quote from an old hymn, God's Spirit can abide in us. It's getting you a little bit excited. God's Spirit. And let's sit here for a little bit longer. God's Spirit abiding in us. And John, he he's trying to, he sort of, he, he just loses it. And he kind of goes, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he's talking about um, not being afraid of, um, of the spirit of the Antichrist, actually. Don't be afraid of what's going on in the world because he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. The spirit in you is far stronger than anything in the world. Oh, far out. I remember... Um, um, Back when I was in my fourth year of university, and I was anxious and and fearful, and and Dad would often um, he'd, he'd send me messages, and this was one of the ones that he'd send me. He'd go, James, just remember, greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Greater is He that is in you. Greater is He that is in me. If um in those in the moments when that you are feeling afraid, in the moments when you're freaking out and you're going. I don't know what's going on in our city. I don't know what's going on in our country. I don't know what's going on in the world. Um, if you're feeling like you're under attack, if you feel like you're facing a spiritual attack, then stand on this promise. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. This is what it means for God to abide in us. This is why it's like, let's not wait until camp. Because who who wants that? <laughs> Put up your hands. <laughs> Alice, anybody else? You got it. <laughs> Who wants that? Who needs that? Deep down, everyone needs it. Everybody needs it. 
whether they're in here in CV or they're not, they're out on the streets. Everybody needs the abiding presence of the eternal spirit of God within. It's the way he made us. He made us to be in the images of God, imago Dei. You know, I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when God breathed his breath into that lump of clay and that lump of clay becomes a living human. We need the spirit of God within. He made us that way. And so if we don't have God's spirit, we're not filled with God's spirit, then we'll do whatever it takes to meet that need. If we don't chase after him, then we'll go chasing after all kinds of things just to meet that need. We go chasing after someone else or something else, and we get into all kinds of trouble. Him abiding in us. It's what we need. It's what we have to have. To have. And him abiding, him abiding with us happens simultaneously as we abide in him. It's a bit of a mind bender, isn't it? We abide in him, he abides in us. And I've been like trying to think of, trying to think of uh, metaphors and images that I can use. And, and here's one. We are surrounded by air. We're abiding in the air. We're surrounded by air, and in the air is oxygen. And so when we, when we breathe, we breathe in the air, and the air fills our lungs, and the oxygen passes into uh, our bloodstream, and the oxygen then is carried by our bloodstream to every cell in our body to provide fuel, empowering every cell in our body is just from the oxygen that's in the air all around us. So we're abiding in the air, we're abiding in the oxygen, and then the oxygen is abiding in us, empowering us. It's a pretty good image, isn't it? So how do we abide in Jesus? How do we abide in Jesus? How do we connect into him in the way that a branch is connected to the grapevine, like this branch? How do we connect this branch to the true vine? If abiding in him means life and it means purpose and it means fulfillment of our purpose, then how, how do we abide? Uh, when I was um, praying about this, um, this message, I, I felt like the Father was saying to me, keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it simple saints, all right, because we're not stupid, keep it simple saints. Keep it simple. So here's two simple, but I reckon life-changing steps to abiding in Jesus. First of all, most important, most important, confess and believe in Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Confess. In 1 John 4, he writes, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. That's simple, right? Confess and believe. And this comes first because we've got to recognize who we're actually talking about here. We're talking about the King of Kings, the Creator and Lord of the universe, the Messiah and Savior, the Son of God. It's through Him that we can abide in God. During, uh, during worship this morning, I was, um, I was just getting this image off, um, off the grapevine. I knew I was going to be talking about it. And then, and then off the cross. And suddenly it became clear to me. <laughs> it was just this moment of insight. You know, when you, uh, I remember 
um, Nicholas might have to correct me, but Nicholas did this science project day eh, back in primary school, was it? And you tried to graft a plant onto another one. And correct me if I'm wrong, but did you have to like wound the plant that you grafted? Yeah, so they do it, eh? So you, you take your you take you know your plant that you're grafting something onto, and you scrape a bit of the the bark off. You wound it in order to take your fresh branch and to graft it on. Jesus, right? Wounded for us, bled for us, pierced for us, so that we could be grafted on and into Him. Oh, I'm getting all buzzy. <laughs> Come, Holy Spirit. First and most important, confess and believe in Jesus. That's simple. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to, to this abiding, to flourishing, to purpose and meaning. I'm going to keep it simple, but at the same time, I can't resist getting um, going back 1,700 years to the, to the Nicene Creed. The, the, you know, the early church, they had, they had a lot of debates about who Jesus was and they had these councils and they came up with this confession uh, about Jesus that 1,700 years later, Christians all over the world uh, still hold to. And this is the, the section I want to read is, is the section about Jesus. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him, all things were made. Oh, that's good stuff. For us and for our salvation, so we could be grafted into him. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory. This is our hope. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Confess. The first step is to confess Jesus and believe it. (laughs) The second step follows from the first step because if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then we will believe that what he says, what he said actually matters, that what he said actually makes a difference, that what he says is of utmost importance. So the second step is to do what he says. First John, First John three twenty four. Whoever keeps my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Did I say what Jesus said? I did. If you keep my commandments, this is what Jesus says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So it's really just one step. I, I made it two. Maybe I'm being disobedient, Lord, but am I trying to keep it simple? But it's really one step. It's one step with two parts. The first step, confess and believe in Jesus, and the second comes from that. Take note of what he says. Try Try to walk in step with him. Abiding in Jesus is simple then. Believe in him and live in his way. I 
you know, before I was talking about location and, and occupation. So step one, if when we confess and believe in Jesus, then, then we are grafted on. We, we are placed in him and, and, and he in us. So it's our location where we are. And the second step is, is sort of our occupation, what we do, keeping his commandments, walking in step with him, believing in him and living his way, walking the way that he walked, walking in the light he talks about. Jesus lived a life of loving God and loving others. And so I can't resist. But how's your love life? In a, in a clean sense. <laughs> In a church, we can ask that to each other. We go, oh, so <laughs> how's your love life? But I'm, I'm not um, responsible for the answers you might get. How's your love life? Our lives, our lives should be lives of love too. God is love, and Jesus models what, what the love of God actually looks like. And uh, Eugene Peterson, he said, in Jesus, in Jesus, God and love are linked accurately, intricately, and indissolubly <laughs> yeah that's it I practiced that so many times <laughs> indissolubly <laughs> I knew it was going to cause me grief isn't it indissolubly yes. abiding abiding it means like reading and listening and filling ourselves with his words in your Bibles, get yourself a Bible that you like to open up and just read and read and reread. What does Jesus say? What does he do? Fill our minds with his words. Living, living in, in rhythm and in cadence with Jesus. It's like when you, uh, you know, you might go out walking, walking with somebody, uh, your loved one or, or a mate or someone like that, and you're walking, you're talking, and you sometimes find that you just happen to be walking in step with them. And then you change because you don't want to be uncool walking in step. But um, it just kind of happens. And without realizing, it just happens. And we're, with Jesus, when we're talking about abiding, we're not talking about abiding in an inanimate object like, like a house or a building. We're talking about the presence of a person, Jesus himself. We, I love this sort of picture because it means we can just like walk with him and talk with him. And then, and then we find ourselves walking in his cadence and in his rhythm in the cadence of the OG. We walk in step with him. And remember, abiding means we stop sinning because walking in step with Jesus means that we will stop sinning. Jesus never sinned. Amen. We can live in awareness that he's always with us, like constantly having that phrase in our mind, greater is he that is in me that is in the world. If you've confessed that Jesus is the Son of God, then, then we're in him and he's in us. So if you've made that confession, then he's in you and we're in him. He's in you and you're in him. So this means that um, it, it's not just going to be uh, being in the presence of God and him and us when we're at CV 90 minutes on a Sunday morning or at a camp or at another church. It means all throughout the day we can have conversations with him, short conversations, long conversations, choosing to give him our attention and our affection. And by choosing to give him our attention and our affection, it means that we're choosing uh, to not give something else our attention and our affections. 
John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Abiding means choosing God over other things. We are in a war for our attention. We are the victims and the participants. A war for our attention. So in this war, we've got to like consciously choose to give him our attention. It means uh, in, in our culture, in our world, it means that we need to choose to make our lives a welcoming place, an honoring place for the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, we've talked about temples quite a lot this year and how we are temples. We want our temples to be places where God is actually welcome. It means that we, we've got to get rid of stuff and things that we do that do not honor him. We've got to get rid of uh, bad habits. Uh, we've got to get rid of addictions and obsessions. and We've got to tear down those idols. <laughs> Just tear them down and knock them out. Sometimes we need God to show us what they are. And it's in that walking in step with Jesus, that constant walking in step, leaving him fill our minds, that actually uh, we walk in the light and the light reveals stuff in us that uh, need, needs, to, needs to go. Needs to go. It's... Um, it's not going to lead us into freedom. It's not going to lead us into joy. It's not even going to satisfy us deep down. We've got to get rid of them. This is what abiding is all about. And so, a couple more illustrations, and then I'm just going to, I'm just going to wrap up. Because I want us to sort of like really get a handle on, on abiding. Here's one illustration. When we, when we come to church together, one of the first things we do is get a cup of tea. Or, no, I wasn't going to go there. Uh, the, one of the first things we do is sing songs. We sing the songs of, of worship together, and music fills the room. Andrew's bass playing fills the room. It's powerful bass playing, bro. It's good. It fills the room. And so we find ourselves, whether we like it or not, but we're abiding in the music. It's all around us. We're abiding in the music. And then we can choose then to either sing along. And if we sing along, then that music, it abides in us. We begin singing in the rhythm of, of the music, singing, those, singing the words, singing the songs. The song abides in us. Or we might be in a, a rebellious state this morning. And when we go, no, I'm not going to sing that song. I'm going to sing my own song. <laughs> so we controversially, it would be very controversial, wouldn't it? If you get up there and you start singing something else. Um, you know, you might be feeling emotional about Eddie Van Halen and you just want to sing some Van Halen songs. I don't know. But don't do that because that means the song, is, the song that we're all singing is not abiding in you. Right? Okay. That's a, that's one picture of how we can live our lives in Jesus. You know that that idea of like being in rhythm with Him, filled with His song. And uh, another illustration. It, it comes from a, a story that we often go back to. Uh, it's one of our one of our favorites, and it's uh, Jesus told the story of a man who had two sons. It's the the story and. Um, in Luke 15, that has the title, The Prodigal Son, but it's really about the two sons, the younger son and the older son. And the youngest son, what a rat bag. He goes to his dad, Dad, I know you're still alive, but I want my inheritance now because I'm going to go and live my way. And the father, what a man. Like He goes, okay, son, you want to do that. Here's your inheritance. The son goes off. He goes off and he 
part his heart. And the Bible says that he spent all his money on reckless living. <laughs> Imagine that, reckless living. And then he runs out of money and he comes to his senses and he goes, oh, it's better to be a servant in my father's house than to be out here with no money um, feeding pigs and eating their food because that's what I've got to do support, to support myself. So he actually, he just blew it. And then he goes back to his father and if you know the story, his father is waiting for him and he sees him from far away and he, and he, and he runs to him and he embraces his son. He goes, my son, he's returned. And, he, and the father takes his best robe out of his wardrobe, his best blazer or sweatshirt in my case, and he puts it on, and he puts it on his son and he puts his favorite ring on his son's hand and he and he cooks up this big dinner, cooks up a big roast or a barbecue, probably it was a barbecue, spit roast, and then and they have this party which would have blown all the reckless living parties away. And so this party's going on, he's welcomed his son home, his son's back in the family. And meanwhile the other the other brother is out he he never left, he was still on his father's property, working away, it must have been a farm. Yeah, I guess that was what is what it was. It was a farm, or maybe he was just mowing the lawns, and and then he hears this party going on. He's going, "What's the racket?" And then the servants go, "Your your brother, your little brother, he's come home. He was gone, but now he's come home." And the older brother, he just like, "Oh, mate, how can my father welcome him back?" And that's kind of how it ends. The father goes out and has a conversation with the older brother and goes, this brother who was dead to us is now returned. Now he's alive to us. And we're kind of like left in the left hanging. What's the older brother going to choose? Is he going to go into this party or is he not? And this story is a story about abiding. You didn't know that. Now you do. <laughs> Neither of the sons abide are abiding with the father. The younger son, it's obvious, he left his father's house. He left his father and his father's way of life. He goes, forget it, I'm out, I know better, I'm taking your money and I'm going to go party. So he no longer was abiding, right? The older son, he might have still been living on his father's property, but he wasn't abiding anymore. He wasn't abiding in his father's way of life. And we know this because he, he didn't love his brother. He was so angry that his brother had returned. The father's way of life was a way of, of love, right? So neither of them were abiding and both of them were invited to come and abide again. Abiding in Jesus is simple, yet it's so profound. It's so exciting. It's a journey of discovering that will take a lifetime. Every day, daily discovery. It's going to take a lifetime. So, how are we going? We're going all right. You got some homework, folks. It's one thing to hear somebody talk from the front, to speak God's truth, but wouldn't it be better if you were hearing this for yourselves and receiving from the Word of God yourselves? So your homework is to spend some time abiding in the words of the king. You might have to read. You might have to open your Bible. Your homework is to read. 
hope you're probably not going to write it down, are you? So I'm just going to repeat it a few times. Read John chapter 1. Okay, repeat after me. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And then read John chapter 15. John chapter 15. So it's two chapters in John, 1 and 15. Then turn to 1 John, the book of 1 John. Five chapters, read it. Do it all in one hit. Two chapters from John, five chapters from 1 John. 1 John, 1, 2, 3, 5. And John, what are the chapters there? 1 and 15. And even better, read it for the next few days. Read it for the next week and prayerfully read it. Uh, when you, before you sit down to read it, go, Jesus, James said I have to read this. I don't want to, but I want to hear your voice, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> and ask him to speak his words to you. Ask for his words to begin abiding in you. And just read it. And then do it the next day, the next day, the next day, until you're sick of it. His words are life, and his words of life can abide in us. He said, this is what Jesus says, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you, (laughs) and that your joy may be full. That is pretty, pretty good, isn't it? That sounds pretty good to me. So stand, (laughs) stand. (laughs) Lord Jesus, we want to be filled with your joy. We want to be filled with your joy. We want to be the most joyful people walking around. Lord, like, not worried about what's going on around us because we're filled with your Spirit, and greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. You are in us. And if you are the joy bringer, then we want that joy. So, Holy Spirit, I invite you actually right now to fill us with your joy. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Lord, I pray, I just come against any spirit that's not of you today. I say, we just cut you off in the name of Jesus, because greater is the spirit of God than the spirit of he that's in the world. So come, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you welcome us into your home. Thank you that you were pierced for us. And through your wounds, we can be grafted into you, into the true vine, Lord. Father, I pray that even over the coming days, Lord, as as we think about about abiding and as we read the passages in, in the book of John and First John, that you would speak to us in the deepest of places, Lord. Speak to our hearts and lead us on that journey of transformation and freedom and discovery that you have for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, that you took those dry bones and you breathed on them in the same way that you take a dry branch and you attach us to yourself, breathing into us, taking us from death to life. No longer zombies, but children of God. And all God's children say, Amen. Amen. <laughs>